Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we're discussing two more spooky things and keeping Halloween going a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> we can't let it go. <laughs> we're talking about the board game Betrayal at House on the Hill and the new MCU TV special Werewolf by Night. Yes. Yes. So you have played this game recently. I've heard of this game, but I haven't played it. So I love board games. Tell me all about this. Sure. So I went over to my friend's last weekend and we had a board game night. So we played this. She and her husband had played it before, but I had not. Mm-hmm. So I was I was very intrigued. I had been wanting to play it for a while. And I just want to shout out my friend because she's the kind of friend who likes to read the rule books (laughs) well good (laughs) yeah so when we were like this wasn't the only game we played so when we were like playing new games that we hadn't done before she was the one reading the rules and like explaining everything to us and i was Mm -hmm. like great this is this is every friend group needs one of those people (laughs) yes of course (laughs) so Betrayal at the House on the Hill was first published in 2004. It was designed by Bruce Glasgow. And the second edition came out in 2010. And the third edition actually just came out in August. Oh, cool. So I think we played the second edition. I don't know how different they are. I think the new okay. newer editions just update and add scenarios and different things like that. Okay. So the storyline, I guess, is that you all go up to the house on the hill (laughs) and you're all explorers. Okay. It comes with like 12 pre-generated characters, kind of, and you all have like sanity scores, might scores, knowledge scores, and speed scores. Okay. And you have little counters, and depending on what happens to you during gameplay, those scores can go up or down. Okay. So, it starts with the initial exploration phase, and you all go in into the house, and there are three levels. The ground floor where you start, and then the upper floor and the basement. Mm -hmm. And you have a bunch of cards for the rooms. So every time you move, so you you always start out with a three-space hallway, like you come into the main door and you're in the hallway, and then at the end of those three spaces, there's the stairwell upstairs. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you move, you can move outside of that, and you build the house, so you'll just put cards down when you move into a new room. Mm-hmm. And all of them have doorways on them, so you have to line up the doorways. And some have doorways on all four sides, but some only have, like, one doorway. And then you can go into it, but you you can't go anywhere else, so you have to come back out. So you're exploring this house, and it looks different every time because you're laying the tiles as you go, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And different things happen when you move into a new room. There could be a couple things that happen. Mm-hmm. One is an event card. So something happens to your character, and usually it's something spooky, like you get attacked or something. <laughs> <laughs> and there you can 
get a, an item. Okay. Sometimes there's a little item icon on the on the new room, so you could pick things up. Like one time, I picked up a skull. And <laughs> Ooh, I, yeah. But it the items have different characteristics. So I think the skull was like if you get mental damage, like damage to your knowledge or your sanity, uh-huh. you can take that as physical damage instead. So you can use the items for different things. I had dynamite one time. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Exciting. I know. And then some of the cards have omen icons. So you have to take an omen card. And the omen is like something... It's usually like an item or something that happens. Like it could be a mix of those. But when you draw an omen card, you have to roll six dice. And the... The dice in this game are special. You've got two sides with one pip. <laughs> I like the word pip. <laughs> <laughs> two sides with two pips uh-huh. and then two blank sides. Okay. So all the dice look like that. And every time you pull an omen card, you have to roll six dice. And if you roll over the number of omen cards you've ha- you've pulled... Uh-huh then nothing happens, which is good because you want more time to explore the house. Yeah. If you roll under the amount of omen cards you have, then the haunt phase starts. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. And like one game, we played two games and I think one game, honestly, we only, we'd only pulled like two omen cards and Matt rolled like a one or something. Oh no. (laughs) So we had to start the haunt pretty early and we had to like, like, we hadn't explored much of the house. Uh-huh. I think the dice make it difficult for you to roll under a low number, but mm-hmm. it happened to us, so it can still happen. Yeah. And then I think it goes up to 12 or 15, so the more you explore the house, the higher the chance of letting the haunt begin. Yeah. So what happens in the haunt phase is, depending on... Where you pull the, that omen card, there's a little chart of which scenario you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Matt was, like, in the dining room and the omen card was a spear or something. So we ended up doing scenario 11 because there's a chart that you follow. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, big booklets. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to go to that scenario And there are 50 scenarios, so this can be different every time, which is really fun. Uh And then the scenario will tell you, one, who betrays the party. Ooh. Yeah. So the betrayer has to take the betrayal book, and they have their own objective for the scenario. Oh, no. And then the other players who are left have an objective. Okay. So, for instance... In one game, Chelsea was the betrayer. So Matt and I, our scenario was like, okay, you have to get the spear and the ring and take it to the certain room because one of you is like the heir to, a, I don't know, some old Roman family. <laughs> and like you have to sit on this <laughs> throne. And once you get there, like the game will be over. Oh. And then Chelsea's objective as the betrayer was to kill us, basically. <laughs> Oh no! And she could have like like oh. monster assassins in the different rooms. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so the betrayer is usually working against 
the other players, the remaining players. It's the mole! (laughs) Yeah, except most of the time you know who the betrayer is. Okay. Although the booklet did say that there are some scenarios where the betrayer is kept secret. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there are instances where, like, if you're the betrayer, you don't take damage and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes you... You know, it's harder for you to die because it's real easy to die <laughs> in this game. <laughs> and in that instance, if you want to be like, oh, I actually don't take damage for that, you can reveal yourself as the betrayer. So there are a couple different okay. scenarios, I think, where the betrayer is kept secret, which is fun. Yeah. And then the second game we played, I was the betrayer. <laughs> oh, no. And I had... <laughs> I had a madman as a companion. (laughs) (laughs) And the madman and I had to like go around to all the windows and doors in the house and open them to let in specters. (laughs) And then the specters could go and kill the player. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. But I lost that one. (laughs) Oh. So on the one hand, it's very, very cool because the game's going to be different every time. Yeah, I guess until you you play so much that you, <laughs> you start getting the same scenarios, you run out. But on the other hand, like that kind of makes it a bit hard because for every scenario, you sort of have to learn some new rules. Oh, OK. And you get booklets and the rules for the scenarios are like a page long. So it's not hard. But for me, when I was the betrayer, I was controlling the madman and me and the specters and i like didn't realize i could move the specters <laughs> oh okay so if i had realized that i think i would have stood a better chance of winning but yeah i think it's just it's it's something i've wanted to play for a while we played with 3 people and you could play with up to 6 <laughs> and i feel like playing with 6 would be a lot of fun mm-hmm. um because you have more people in the mix and mm-hmm. You know, more people working against the betrayer. So, oh, and when the betrayal happens, the betrayer and the other players, you don't know each other's objectives. Okay. So, like, in the first game, when we were trying to get to a certain room, like, Chelsea didn't know that. But she was just trying to let us before we got anywhere, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's, there's some, like, strategy and there's some, there's a little bit of, it's not role play in the sense of like D and D, so there's not a lot of like face to face lying, <laughs> which I'm bad at. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still this idea of like secrecy, and you know, if you're not the betrayer, then you're working with other people. But like, the betrayer's right there at the table, so you have to be careful with that and stuff. Uh oh. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun, and I feel like you and I and Tom and Jeff and and our friends should play this at some point. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah. I so the the people who are not the betrayer are collaborative, so that it's mm-hmm. a mix of adversarial and collaborative play. I like that a lot. Yes, and but yeah, it would be challenging to have to be able to like confer with your sort of teammates if you have your betrayer right there so yeah are there are you allowed to like get up and go to another room yes yeah when the betrayal okay. first happens 
the betrayer is supposed to leave the room and read there what the scenario is. So it leaves the rest of you at the table and you can confer. Okay. But then once the betrayer comes back to the table and the game starts again, it can be a little bit difficult to collaborate. So, I mean, you probably could leave the room again, but okay. it's it's up to how your play group feels, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be fun to be more challenging and, and not... Also, you probably shouldn't text each other or use any assisted devices. So you've got to right. just sort of make that plan and then hope <laughs> that it, that it yeah. goes. Oh, gosh. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really fun. Yeah. Cool. So... Continuing with the spooky theme, yes. you watched Werewolf at Night, which I've been really curious about, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah. So this is only, it's 53 minutes long, so it's not technically a movie, but it's not an ongoing series. It's just a TV special. Hmm. And so if you want, if you are sort of in the mood for a not very gruesome, scary, quote unquote, movie, but you're tired this is a great choice because it's right at that, you know, it's just going to feel like a, a single episode of a TV show, but it's got a little bit more plot structure that is cinematic. So this is part of the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's streaming on Disney Plus and it's, it is based on Marvel characters. There's a character named or who's like superhero, quasi superhero name is Werewolf by Night, but his human name is Jack Russell. <laughs> And it is, this is filmed in black and white. There are some color oh. moments, but it's very much, yeah, it's really pretty. It's very much designed to seem like an old timey 30s, 40s, 50s horror movie. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's not that there aren't moments that are scary. There are, it's just very low on any kind of gore scale. Okay. There are some killings, but they're not like super graphic or anything. Okay. So basically what this is, is this monster hunter, Ulysses Bloodstone, has died. What a name. I know. <laughs> he is he is a Marvel character. I'm like looking at the... Well, we only see him dead in this. So I'm looking, though, at his comic book image right now. And he's ridiculous looking. <laughs> he's like... He looks kind of like an evil Thor. He's got like long blonde okay. hair and this big stone in the middle of his chest. Anyway... <laughs> Okay, so anyway, he has had like these events that are kind of monster hunts before, but now he's dead. And his widow, Verusa, who's played by Harriet Sampson Harris, who is a really fun veteran character actress. So Ulysses' widow, Verusa, summons all these monster hunters together to battle for who will have power over the Bloodstone, which is an object that's it kind of confers various powers. It's a MacGuffin, basically. But okay, so we have multiple people who have monster hunting powers um, who come together. But the group includes Jack Russell, um, who's played by Gail Garcia Bernal, and he is a monster hunter, but he secretly is also a werewolf. Okay, and there's a bunch of other folks that are vying for this too. But another one of the hunters is. Elsa Bloodstone, Ulysses' daughter, who's played by Laura Donnelly from uh, The Nevers on HBO. So she's fantastic, and I like her a lot. Mm -hmm. So they kind of team up a little bit, Jack and Elsa. But they're also just kind of trying to survive, because one of the 
the features of this monster hunt is that the hunters are kind of given carte blanche to also go after each other, like whatever they need to do mm. to get this stone. But nobody knows that Jack is also a werewolf. So there's some stuff with that. And a couple of things that are interesting. This was directed by, by Michael Giacchino, who is actually best known as a TV show musical composer. This is one of his first big directing things. And I've liked his music a lot. He yeah. did the score for Alias, which was a show I really liked in the earlier aughts. So I was kind of surprised that he has sort of shifted over into directing, but he did a great job. He clearly had a lot of affection for the idea of like the old time black and white monster movie. Mm -hmm. And it it really feels like that. But there is some element that's kind of adventure that that reminds me of like an Indiana Jones movie. And it is it is darker than some MCU things. It actually has a TVMA rating. Oh, wow. Or at least it originally did. I think putting it in black and white, I think they might have lowered the rating to TV 14. But okay, that's part of what makes some of the kills not seem quite so gruesome is the black and white. So you're not constantly seeing real blood, basically. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I would, and Gail Gabriel Bernal is really good. He's kind of understated. He looks very haunted and spooky in his human form. <laughs> and there is some werewolf moments that I, that was maybe the weakest part okay. for me was how he looked as a werewolf. But I'm also not like a big, like I always prefer vampires to werewolves in my kind of spooky yeah. <laughs> old timey <laughs> horror. So, so I wasn't like super pulled out of that. And there, his kind of repartee with Elsa is kind of fun. And the aforementioned Harriet Samson Harris as Verusa, she chews the scenery. She's crazy. <laughs> She's ridiculous. And the other hunters are really interesting. There's also kind of, there's also this swamp creature named Man-Thing who shows up and he looks very Cthulhu-esque and that the special effects for him were really good. And I don't know, it's just, it's a fun, adventure show that I hope they do more with either mm -hmm. to bring Werewolf by Night officially into like one of the movies or to have like an ongoing um, because there are like monsters in the Marvel comics universe. I don't have a full list of other examples of that, but they could do kind of like multiple sort of spookier MCU spinoff things or mm -hmm. And I could see where a monster hunter slash werewolf could be helpful in maybe not the Avengers, but in some <laughs> secondary team or something. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It was just, it was funny in places. It was tense in places. It was a little bit spooky and scary in places. It's got a really nice look about it and atmosphere. And I was not aware before watching it that it was in black and white, but that was really lovely. And I feel yeah. like we don't see that as much anymore. Black and white can do, other than like, toning down some gore black and white can add atmosphere and tension that color cinematography just can't convey in my opinion because you've got mm -hmm. so much more shadow and contrast and i love black and white photography too like still photography so i just feel like it gives it that sort of i don't know nostalgic but also like a very it's not set in the past or anything it's set in present day but it still felt kind of you know of the past in certain ways yeah. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I wish I'd watched it maybe even on Halloween night itself. But it was definitely 
uh, appropriate for the season. But also, if you're still if you're still not ready for Thanksgiving and and the holidays and stuff, <laughs> this is a low stakes way to kind of continue that. So yeah, yeah. I really really re- recommend it. I think you would enjoy it for sure. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I didn't really know what it was about. So and I didn't know it was so short. Yeah, but it sounds really cool. And I like a lot of the a lot of the more classic horror like Boris Karloff and and that stuff. So I feel like it would appeal to my sensibilities. For sure. For sure. It's definitely very much has a loving homage to that style of horror. Nice. You know what? I saw that Michael Giacchino was the director and I was like, that can't be the same guy who wrote the Rogue One score, can it? <laughs> but apparently yeah, it, it is. is. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's neat. I mean, clearly he's been involved in TV and film production forever. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think it's an unusual, it's a little bit of an unusual shift, but not, it's not crazy. And I think being involved in so many episodic TV shows as he's been with that as a composer, you get a little bit more enmeshed in the full production. Yeah. With TV scoring too, you're not always having access to a full like orchestra or multiple musicians and you've got to do a lot on your own through you know synthesizers and mm-hmm. laying down multiple tracks so you're, you're you're the kind of person who has to multitask and be good at a lot of different things yeah and i think that plays into becoming an, a tv director too absolutely cool so, awesome yeah. well i will definitely check it out and i will let you know what i think cool but can you remind us where we can find that Yes, that is available to stream right now on Disney+. And where can we find Is Betrayal at Hill House, or Betrayal at House on the Hill? (laughs) Is that available wherever we get our board games? Yes, but now I want a a crossover of this game with Hill House, (laughs) The Haunting of Hill House. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it at Target, so you can probably definitely get it wherever you get, get your games, and... As always, we'll plug our local stores, so find your local gaming store and they'll probably have it. Yes, or if they don't have it in stock, have them special order it. It's always better to get your board games from an independent game shop, in my opinion. That's right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So next week, we're going to be talking about more great pop culture stuff, so be sure to join us then. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store, as well as our email, PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.